Joy is your compass, and Jesus is your destination. All right, give me a second. Ooh, it's dark up here. You can't see nothing. Okay, so everybody smile at the same time so I can at least see some pearly whites and see that there's some faces out there. Beautiful. It is, an, it is a privilege and honor to be here because this is where it all started for me. Thirteen years ago, I walked through those doors with my teenage daughter. Um, I started off at, in um, youth ministry with, under Pastor Mary, then met my husband, got married here in this campus, and then we went off to Avon Lake and were Connection Pastors for a few years. And then this past year, campus pastors at Wycliffe. So it is a privilege to to be here. I was really, uh, it's my first time up up, up here in Cleveland, and I was really excited, very, very excited, up until yesterday, and then I got really nervous. (laughs) So, but I I am um, humbled and, and very thankful to be here. Pastor Marla and I love to start off and be intentional with um, being blessed. And so today I want to count my blessings, and I am thankful that it is our daughter Marley's 16th birthday. Today, happy birthday, my darling. And I have waited a long time for this day. I have been praying for this day to come because as pretty soon, just in a couple weeks, she'll have, those li- she'll have that license, and I will never have to go to the grocery store again. That's what I've been waiting for. I'm very thankful for that. I'm just going to give her daddy's keys, and she can go all the time now. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your presence, and I surrender to your presence, Lord, and pray that you would open our ears to hear your word, our spirits to receive it and digest it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, raise your hand if you have a pet peeve. You know, that something that really annoys you, just gets on your nerves, right? Well, if you've, you know, if you've ever been at my house, you've got two hands up, two, two hands. If you've, if you've been at my house at least once, you probably know mine. And I mean, it's been like this my whole adult life, and I'm not sure why, but I have, a, I have like this, this anxiety, a big issue with hair on the ground. Like, it's not a cling-free kind of thing because, you know, clutter and dirt it doesn't, doesn't bother me. But hair, which is, you can see why I adore my husband, right? Like, God picked him just for me, right? I was like, yes. But, you know, we got kids, and, and they got a lot of hair. And, and like, if it's, if it's they, they know me so well that they know that even though I'm looking this way, I can see this way. And, and they can be right by me, you know, and they can have, like, a hair on their body, and they're looking at me, and I'm like, I see you. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know, like they put it in the garbage. I, I will be in bed and completely exhausted, ready for bed, and if I see hair on my pillow or my blanket, I don't put it on the ground. I literally take it, put it on my nightstand, and then in the morning I take it off my nightstand and I throw it away. I know that sounds so stupid, but it just it grosses me out, and I don't know why, but I can't stand it. Now, how, do you, how many know that there are times where we can give these little annoyances way too much attention, right? We can make this tiny little itty-bitty annoyance, and we can just blow it up into, like, Mount Everest. And, and, I, and I did that once, just once, or at least once that I'll share. Earlier this year, 
um, Pastor Marlon and I, we went to Florida and, and we stayed at my sister's house. They went, out, they went on vacation, so it was a free vacation. We had the house all to ourselves. Um, but I was working while I was there, so I took my laptop um, and I had to hook it up, you know, to our TV so I could have a bigger screen and stuff. And so I got up the next morning to do that and um, he went downstairs to do whatever. And I'm getting really annoyed because I can't figure it out. He knows I'm up there doing it but he's not checked on me, you know, and it felt like hours, or it was probably minutes, but it felt like hours, and I'm getting really frustrated because I don't know what I'm doing, you know, and at some point he hollers up, hey, honey, how are you doing? I'm like, not good because I don't know what I'm doing and it's taking me forever. He still didn't come upstairs. So I figured it out, and then later on in that day, you know, we had to, go, we had to run to the store or something, um, and I didn't realize that I was still really annoyed. I was, I was being like really short with him and, you know, not talking. And, um, and he realized that because his kind self said, how about we find a Starbucks? Because <laughs> I really love espresso. And um, in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, now you want to be nice. But I was like, fine. So we're Googled, we're trying to find a Starbucks. And I am so annoyed like that we passed up the street <laughs> to get to my sister's. And I just like blew up and I was like, just forget it now. It's too late. It's taken forever. Look, we've done passed up the street. Now we have to turn around. And he's like, what is wrong with you? Why are you being so short with me? And I had to stop and think about it because I didn't know. I was like, that was dumb. Why am, I, why am I acting like this? And God reminded me in the morning, I was like, oh, yeah, I've been holding on to just being annoyed with you all day. And there's a name for that church, that, don't get mad at me, is emotional sin. That is emotional sin. Now, that was a very lighthearted example. No real harm done that day. But there is emotional sin that, sin that can cause serious damage to yourself, to others, but most important to all the non-believers out there who are looking to you and me to show them what Jesus looks like. And the hardest emotional sin that I have been a slave to, but also freed from, is bitterness. Look at that. That's what a bitter person looks like from the outside. Oh, I thought it was like at the same time. Uh, we don't have that in Wycliffe. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> that is what we look like. You think you don't look like that, but trust me, that's exactly what we look like on the outside when you are just rooted in bitterness. Now look what the heart looks like. Look what bitterness looks like on the inside. Just roots growing out of your heart like thorns. Bitterness is the inability to let go. You're harboring it. Unforgiveness, unresolved hurt, unresolved anger, unresolved pain. Just unable to let it go. I'm going to be honest with you, this was not the message that I chose for. When, I've, when I heard I was preaching here, I was so excited that I had a fun, big fun message that I preached in Wycliffe last month about going for gold, and I was so stoked to do it. And then last Wednesday we were here, and Pastor Dom did a transition, and, and he used one of the scriptures that I'm using, and I know there's no coincidence. I was like, no, come on, Jesus, please no, please no. And then Sunday I did this message at Wycliffe, and it was just like overwhelmed by how it impacted. But I still, I was like, this is 
Cleveland. Like, I've got two pioneers of faith sitting in the front row. They don't need to hear this, right? I went as far, I'm really telling on myself, I'm sure, hope you guys love me. I really went as far as to yesterday. I texted my husband because he was in the office and I knew Pastor Dom was there. And I said, ask Pastor Dom which message I should preach. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure enough, and, and he called me and he's like, oh, I haven't seen him. I was like, don't do it, I, I know, I gotta do this one. God reminded me um, as far as, you know, was there a need for it? And he said, Michelle, he's like, you've known me your whole life and you sat in years being bitter. So there you have it, Cleveland. <laughs> Let's go to the word. Let's go to Mark eleven twenty five. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Now, there's no explanation needed in that scripture. There's no way we can misinterpret that one. That one is clear as day. When you pray, forgive so that God, your Father, will forgive you. Go to Hebrews uh, 12, 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. See, the root is hidden. It's underneath, which is why so often it goes undetected for a period of time, until it springs up, and then it defiles. Then it causes trouble. And another translation says it like this. This is... Because of your bitterness, you choose to not let God help you. You cause others to turn away from God because you become poisonous. Like I said, there was a time in my life where I was living in bitterness. And to be honest, I mean, I knew the scripture, but to be honest, I didn't connect them. I, I didn't look at it as unforgiveness so then I didn't look at it as sin. Until the Holy Spirit revealed truth to me, I got real intentional. And the first thing I did was say, God, how did I let that in? How did I let it take root? And the seed is the hurt. That's the seed. And the soil is the heart that harbors the hurt. So you take that hurt, you get hurt, grab a hold of it and you plant it, you, you want to take care of it, right? You want to keep it safe. You want to water it. You water it with your thoughts, with your actions, and with your attitude. And the biggest, um, I would say, lie of the enemy that I was believing at that time was that, no, they planted that seed. That was their fault. And, and that continuous hurt coming at me, they're, they're watering it. They planted, they planted root bitterness within me. But that's such a lie because no one can plant a seed in your heart. No one or any action can plant a seed in your heart. So then I knew how the bitterness got there. We know that every root um, bears fruit. Scripture said that the, the fruit is, is trouble. So I said, God, how do I uproot it? How do I completely destroy bitterness? 
and he gave me three ways. He gave me three steps to take. The first one was let God reveal it. You have to let God reveal it. Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. Search me, O God, and know my heart. We don't always know our hearts, right? The the root is underneath. You don't always know. Like, have you ever, like, been looking for something in your house, like your car keys, and you ask your spouse or your kids, like, hey, where's, do you see my keys? Yeah, they're over on the dining room table. Nope, I looked there. That's where they are. No, I looked there. And they come over and they go to the table, and right under the mail is your keys. They were there all along, but you didn't see them. See, King David, he knew. He knew that there's always a chance of sin to creep in undetected. And which is why he said, search me, God. Search me and know my heart. Because you can see things in me that I can't see. So I am asking you, God, to reveal to me that hidden. Are you willing to ask God to search your heart for the not-so-pretty things? It's easy to ask him to search you for what's good, but are you willing to make that kind of prayer? To search me, correct me? There's a story in the Bible, and I didn't give you scripture for this, um, in Acts chapter eight of Simon the sorcerer. The Bible says that um, Philip, the apostle Philip, went to Samaria to preach the good news to to, to the Gentiles. And Simon, the sorcerer, heard the good news and believed and was baptized. Philip baptized him. He was so excited for the truth that he even followed Philip everywhere that he went. Simon went. And then when the apostles Peter and John heard of the revival breaking out there, they went there because they were going to lay hands on them to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which they did. When Simon saw this, he was so amazed He asked Peter, he said, hey, how much does that cost? How do I get that kind of power? I want to lay hands on people too for them to get that baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Peter said, that spirit in you is not right. That is not right in the sight of our God. He even went on to say, Peter said in verse 23, he said, for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness. Peter identifies the source of his sorcery, his sin, as bitterness. Can bitterness do that? Can bitterness make you lower your standards? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Is there any bitterness within me, Lord? Is there any unforgiveness in me, Lord? Is there any hidden sin in me, Lord? Is there anything that doesn't align with who you are and your will in my life? That takes a humble heart to ask God to do that. But it's the only way for him to reveal it. Amen? You've got to let God reveal it. Number two was let grace remove it. 
let grace remove it. Let's look at Hebrews 12, uh, 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Free favor, unmerited favor. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. There's a story of a husband and wife who went to a restaurant and the waitress was really like just mean and short, not nice at all. And, and you know, they were very kind and, and trying to, you know, be, start a conversation, just be nice with her. They even offered to pray for her and she wanted none of it. She was, just wasn't nice at all. She was having a terrible day and it was just rude. Then when the bill came, they looked at it and they're like, this is like a lot more. Like there's only two of us and there's enough meals on here for like four or five people. This ain't our bill. So they thought to themselves, well, we, justice would be to go up there and speak to a manager and say, this, is, this isn't what, this isn't our bill. We, we want to pay what we should pay. We don't deserve to pay this. Most likely she'd get in some trouble. So then their second choice was, well, we could just pay the bill, not say anything, but then it would take all the money that we have and we would not be able to leave a tip and we really wanted to leave her a tip. That would be mercy. But then the third option was, well, one of us could stay here and the other one could go to the ATM and get out more money, come back, pay the bill, and still leave her a big tip. That would be grace. Judgment is what we deserve, right? God's judgment, sin, to be judged, that is what we deserve. Mercy says, I, will gi- I won't give you what you deserve. I'm not going to make you pay that price. Grace says, I'm going to go a step further and go above, and I'm going to give you even what you don't deserve. Not only am I going to send my son to to pay the price for your sin and the penalty of what you deserve, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so you're not alone. I'm going to make a way that you have eternal life with me. I'm I'm going to bless you inside, and I'm going to make a way where you can be healed on earth and not have to wait to heaven. That's what grace looks like. And his grace wants to remove it. Don't miss God's grace. It's free. He wants to give it to you. Let grace remove it. Number three is let good replace it. Let good replace it. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Choose peace, run towards holiness, or we don't get to see the Lord. And that doesn't mean that all people, all men, will choose peace with you, but you still have a choice to pursue peace. You still have a choice to pursue peace. Romans 12, 21 says we are to overcome evil with good. So we are to pursue peace with all men and do good with all men. And what that would look like would be like, my sister, you know, she, what she did to me was wrong. Oh, how she treated me and what she said to me was so wrong. That hurt. But you know what? Right now she's at home and she's sick. 
And, and I'm gonna let good replace that hurt. I'm gonna go to her house, I'm gonna clean her house for her, I'm gonna do her grocery shopping that I can't stand doing, right? I'm gonna plant her flowers because that's how you let good replace it. That's what it looks like. We are to make war with sin and not with people. We are to make war with sin and not with people. Remember the story of Joseph? Oh my goodness, what a perfect example of what that looks like. The Bible says that his brothers hated him. They hated him because their father clearly favored Joseph. Like for years they had to live like that. You may think that that's pretty good reason to be bitter, but we don't have a reason. There is no good reason. There's never a good reason to hold on to it, but they did. They did. So far as to they, they wanted to kill him, but they settled on selling him. Full of bitterness, that's what they did to their teenage brother. Joseph was taken from his family, from his father whom he loved for years. Joseph didn't harbor bitterness. In fact, even when he was in Egypt, he's falsely accused and spent years in prison. He didn't harbor bitterness. In fact, then, then when there was this great famine, his brothers come back and, and they see who he, you know, who he is now and they bow before him and they're, they're, they're crying out for forgiveness. And he's like, get up. Why are you down there? I forgave you a long time ago. In fact, come on. You know what? Come live with me. All this is mine. You can have it too. That's what replacing it with good looks like. And Joseph was just a man. There wasn't anything, no superpowers about him, nothing special about him. He was just a man. He was just a person like you and me. But we've got something that Joseph didn't even have because we have the Holy Spirit, right? We have a comforter, right? We have a teacher. We have an encourager. We have to let good replace it. I have sugar, you don't have to bring it up, but sugar and salt. If you look at the two, they, they look the same, especially from a distance, right? but they don't taste the same. No, like, I brought it, but if I were to dip, I could dip my finger in that sugar right now, that'd be good. But there's no way I would do that with the salt. But salt has more benefits than sugar. Salt enhances flavors. Salt has healing properties. And salt preserves other foods. Just like difficulties in our lives by themselves, is hard. That trial by itself is hard. But God, but God can take those hard times and he turns them for our good to benefit us just like that salt. Hard times strengthen our faith in God. Hard times cause us to lean into him. Hard times equipped us to minister to others in hard times. Forgive quick, Forgive often. Say it with me. Forgive quick. Forgive often. I'm going to close. We can just all stand. To remove bitterness in your heart, you have to let God reveal it to you. You have to be humble to ask those hard questions. 
Let him reveal it. Let him correct it. Then you have to let grace remove it. Let his grace remove that hurt that you've been holding on to. And then you've got to replace it with good. You've got to replace it with good. It's not always easy. But bitterness causes all kinds of trouble. You become poisonous. And you don't know when the world around you is looking to you when you're in a trial and how you're going to respond. When you are hurt, how are you going to respond? Are you going to forgive? Are you going to walk in love, and mercy, and grace? Are you going to be kind? Are you going to let good replace it? You don't know when they're looking. I recently do have a, a trial with my family. And I had some come to me looking. What's she going to do this time? Does she got enough forgiveness left in her? Can she walk in love again? Let's see, does she still have mercy? Does that Jesus that she proclaims still true today? pray Father thank you Lord Jesus that you are still the same today yesterday and forever your love doesn't run out your mercy doesn't run out your grace doesn't run out thank you thank you for being patient with us thank you for teaching us Lord search our hearts Show us, Lord, show us what we can't see. Show us what's hidden and underneath that doesn't align with who you are and what your word says. We repent and ask for your grace, your grace to remove it. Thank you for that favor. Thank you for blessing us upon blessings that we don't deserve. Teach us how to let good replace it. As you take it out, help us to replace it with good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for Jesus paying the price. And we love you, Lord. We are always want to pray with you. There's not ever going to be a Sunday or Wednesday that goes by that there won't be somebody that wants to pray with you. So we have our altar ministers here today. And if you want to agree in prayer, we'd love to agree in prayer with you. If, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, have never proclaimed that and asked him to just search your heart, we'll pray that prayer with you too. If you need healing, we'll pray that prayer with you too. Whatever you need, please come this way before you go that way. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you all. And remember to live right, love everyone, and pray hard.